I V M. A niche thing explores subcultures around us that make for great interests and hobbies. These range from topics like affordable art to exploring the world of coffee, hi-fi, sneakers, watches, vintage fashion, where the list goes on and on. It's a podcast with something for everyone. So let the conversation begin. In today's episode of A Niche Thing, we are talking about sneakers and streetwear. It's something I'm into myself. And to me, it's such a fascinating subculture because it's very inclusive. Uh, there are many depths you can get into this, right? From dabbling into it to like really getting immersed into it. And even when it comes to age groups, it's actually for all age groups. You have people, you have teenagers, you have people like four or five times that age group as well into it. And to speak more about this, I have with me Bhavisha. Bhavisha is an old friend of mine. She runs an uber cool multi-brand streetwear store called Capsule with a friend Minakshi. Before that, she was with Puma for nine years, working across diverse markets like India, Turkey, Russia, and Ukraine. Is consulted for brands like Budweiser, also been quoted as one of the streetwear voices by High Snobiety. And she's been a former speed skating champion, which I didn't know. And we will speak with her after these short messages. Welcome back to Anish Thing and hello, Bhavisha. Welcome to the show. Hey, Anish, thank you for having me. We've known each other so long and it's uh, great to be able to speak about all these things, all things subculture, streetwear, sneakers with you. Yeah, I'm very excited and I want to dive right into it. So what is streetwear? So streetwear essentially is um, is a fashion which has come up from countercultures like skateboarding, hip hop, graffiti, punk, etc, etc, right? If you think about the kind of silhouettes when it comes to streetwear, you think oversized t-shirts, tracksuits. Sneakers. Sneakers are a key part of streetwear. You know, it's expanded since then to become like uh, workwear, a a lot of these uh, different kind of silhouettes. But streetwear, the single most defining, like it, it sounds like fashion, right? What I'm describing. But what sets streetwear apart is the fact that these are brands which are independent. They are they come from a unique, distinctive, authentic point of view. They've they they come up has been from these cultures, you know, built off community. Streetwear doesn't exist without community. And I just want to sort of like continue on this and just read out this absolutely brilliant definition of streetwear by my sort of favorite person in the whole streetwear world, which is Bobby Hundreds, the founder of uh, one of the most OG brands, the Hundreds. So Bobby says, and I'm just quoting him here, streetwear is understood as different things to different people by generation and geography. It can be New York hip hop. It can be brands of the 80s. It might be in Stussy Beach Culture or Diamond Skate Luxury. Streetwear can be Nike. Streetwear can be secondhand shops like Round 2. Even athleisure brands co-opt the whole title of streetwear. But the larger mainstream now classifies streetwear as casual sportswear, workwear, aligned with a scarcity mindset, hype marketing, kind of like Veblen goods. And much of the appeal of streetwear comes by heightened social status. It's basically a cool person cosign, a blue check on a lapel. This is what he says, which I find yeah, that's uh, right on point. encapsulates essentially what streetwear is. Now, this is for the people who sort of have some personal interaction with streetwear, which has now become so much more rampant because sneakers have started popping and how. My personal definition of streetwear is that it is the power dressing of the casual wear world. I love that. I love that uh, line. I think that that's the way I'm also going to describe it. Power dressing of the of casual, the casual wear. <laughs> Amazing. So 
talking about sneakers, right? A lot of times sneakers can be the gateway into this. I know for me, it's been the same way. And I think it's relatively easier to get into sneakers. I think anyone who's taken half an hour to figure out what sneaker to buy is somewhere already in the subculture for me. So how does one start by getting into this, considering sneakers could be your gateway? Just like you, Anish, even my pers- personally, my gateway into streetwear was sneakers. As you know, I have a past life working with a sneaker brand, Puma. And, uh, at, you know, the middle of the last decade is where Puma did a lot of uh, collaborations. There was a program called Puma Select, which was the streetwear vertical of the brand. A lot of these independent upcoming designers. So you had designers like ICNY, which is something started by Mike Sherman of Chinatown Market. That was the first brand he started. Uh, you know, a whole bunch, Diamond Supply. So essentially for you, for me, for a lot of people that we're seeing who come to Capsule, the entry point is sneakers. So they literally like, you know, and sneakers is like the hottest thing right now, right? It's the biggest cultural flex. So people come to us at Capsule saying, this is my latest cop. Can you help me? Now you've spent that much money on sneakers, right? Even if let's say you cop at retail, you're still spending 8,000, 16,000, whatever. If you're spending resale, you're spending double that perhaps. Now when you're spending that kind of money of fits, which is your clothing and your entire look, needs to go along with that. So for a lot of people, we're seeing sneakers as a gateway into streetwear. That's for people like us, right? If you look at the skate community, it's not just about the footwear that they're wearing. They have a whole look. So for instance, and I don't know how many people know this, but skaters usually identify each other by, you know, the fact that they use a shoelace as a belt and not an actual belt. And that's how you can identify a skater, right? That's part of the whole overall look. Um, And skate, Wear is essentially one of the key pillars of streetwear. In fact, most of the brands, that, a lot of the brands that we stock at Capsule and most of the brands that we started off with at Capsule were skate brands. You know, brands like Thrasher, Rip and Dip, Huff. These are all sort of uh, brands started by skaters. So sneakers is one way of entering the whole streetwear world, but there are so many, right? There's uh, watches, there's music, brands like Pleasures, brands like, you know, the hundreds. They have... Chinatown Market. Chinatown Market did a Grateful Dead collab. So, so many streetwear brands do collabs with music. And essentially, it's an osmosis of community. It all comes down to community. You know, it all comes down to what people are genuinely interested in and how can the marriage of these two communities, or maybe marriage is too intense a word, how can sort of like a mashup of these communities happen? And how can their, how can these tribes extend their influences or things that they like through product and merch, you know, and that's essentially one aspect of streetwear. While we're talking about sneakers, I think for me, the funny part about uh, the subculture is that if you've got, if you've copped a really nice pair, uh, either people know it or people just don't care about it. And that's so funny because you'll end up going somewhere. And this has happened with me when I got the, uh, the Air Jordan patent breads. Uh, I was at somewhere and this girl was, nudging her boyfriend and saying, look at the Jordans. And I could hear that. And that was a little bit of a flex. But to other people, they're like, what are these shiny sneakers you're wearing, man? And like, why? So one is one is that cultural flex, right, with sneakers. Uh, but, but when it comes to sneakers, what is with the whole resale market? Because I think a lot of people may not be aware of this, but you can, a lot of people flip sneakers. And even when you when it comes to buying sneakers in retail, there are certain sneakers that actually, you know, people camp out, people stand in lines, perhaps a night before outside a sneaker store. So tell me a little bit more about this side of sneakers. 
So the entire sneaker landscape, right? Like sneakers, essentially, when you talk about it, a lot of people, like you rightly said, it's still a very niche, a niche. <laughs> it's still a niche uh, area, right? A lot of people think, and they're not wrong in thinking that, but any kind of sports shoes are sneakers. For the purpose of our conversation, I'd like to also share that sneakers are lifestyle sneakers. You know, sneaker brands, if you think about a Puma, Adidas, Nike, Reebok, all of them make two types of sneakers. You have performance footwear, which is like your running shoes, tennis shoes, football shoes. Those are not considered sneakers in this parlance. The lifestyle shoes, on the other hand, that you walk the streets in, you know, and they're very design forward. Those are essentially what the sneaker parlance refers to. So now that we've sort of like spoken about what sneakers are, uh, I'll paint a picture. I'll try to paint a picture of what the sneaker landscape is. So sneakers are available, uh, highly coveted ones are available at retail, at your main brand platforms, which will be a Nike or a Nike.com, the sneakers app, Adidas website, the two main retail opportunities for people to buy sneakers from in India are veg, non-veg and super kicks. These are retailers, which means that they are selling the, the sneakers at MRP. The resale, and the resale market is uh, a market where someone who has bought sneakers at, re- at retail prices is able to sell dead stock sneakers, which is essentially unused sneakers, at a premium. Why? Because sneakers, which are highly coveted, are Veblen goods. So if there is a demand, for instance, for 100,000 pairs, only... 5,000 pairs or 10,000 pairs will essentially be produced and manufactured. It creates that entire hard-to-come-by hype around the sneakers. And it's also an entire manufacturing strategy, a brand heat strategy from these sneakers. The very fact that there is way more demand than supply has led to this complete craze in the resale space. I think that there are over a thousand resellers in the country in India today. The big That's daddies my of this thousand. Yeah, I had a wow. you know I I'll tell you a funny story. So a few months ago, this twelve-year-old uh, kid came into our store, the capsule store in Bangalore. He came with his dad, and I asked him like what he does. Assuming he'll say okay, I'm in the eighth grade or whatever. I kid you not, his words were I'm a reseller. That's crazy. His dad, his dad's laughing, and he's like, let him sell a pair first. Oh. But but this 12-year-old kid wants to be a, a reseller. And it's in addition to the... Why is it a culture? It's also a cultural flex. But sneakers today, these highly coveted sneakers are an asset class. There are books written on this. Hands down, right? Uh, big platforms globally like StockX have unicorn yeah. status. You know, and that it's not the only one. There's been massive acquisitions. So you have your StockX, you have your GOAT, you have your... Uh, what is that urban necessities flight club all of these guys Um, and it is literally about you know that flex you said when that lady in the bar was pointing at your shoes and nudging her boyfriend it's literally that right it is that if you know you know and that is the true essence of streetwear which is in which of which sneakers is a part of this entire space today and this has become the new luxury luxury is not just about price points anymore it is about being able to come by and acquire hard-to-come-by goods and goods that if you know, you know. So that's a true signifier of luxury today. So even the sneaker I was talking about, the patent breads that I got from retail from Superkicks, Superkicks actually ran a creative raffle. So you had to put up something creative about the shoe. So I wrote a poem to 
qualify and thankfully get picked for that raffle. From the time I bought it, I think that's about three months back, that shows three times the value uh, mm. on resale market. Mm. So yeah, sneakers can also go up in value in the resale. The resale market is quite big. I didn't know it was this big in India. And I think the bigger players are your uh, Main Street. Who else is there? There's Main Street. There is Sneaky Mafia based okay. in Bangalore. There's Le Baskets based in Bangalore. There's Crep Dog Crew. Yeah. There's so many. There's hype kicks. Like you use the word sneaker or kicks and hype and city name and you'll get like a a bunch of permutations uh, that these handles go fine. The funny thing is uh, I was on one of the sneaker groups and someone is actually talking about how to value a sneaker page. Okay. You know, because this is such a... Uh, uh, there was actually a sneaker reseller that went on to Shark Tank. I forget oh, their I, name. I remember that. I remember that. Uh, yeah. I and think- after that episode... Uh, you know, there's all these conversations as well that have been going on in the in in this space, and um, it's interesting. Yeah, it's this hustle mindset, and it's about just trading in, curating trading in Veblen goods. You know, and people appreciate that when they're paying a big buck for it, they appreciate the product they have. Now, usually sneakers appreciate in value usually when they are kept in dead stock condition. What does that mean? That they are not worn and put on feet. You know, which is why. And they're kept in that same box with the bill. Got it. Uh, which is why you'll see veg, non-veg, super kicks. A lot of these guys actually, you know, when they have these uh, these drops, these coveted hype sneaker drops, they, if you, and if it's a first come first serve, they make you wear the shoes in store and walk out in it. Oh, that so, is you, to so you don't un- end up sto- it. Exactly. That's to undead stock it. the shoe, right? Because at the end of it, the sneaker brands are not really benefiting from the reselling business per se. Yes, they are because, you know, there's a lot more demand for those particular shoes. So indirectly they are. But from the direct transactional value, there isn't really a a percentage that they get from it. And uh, I'm get you know, because there's just way more demand than supply, more people are getting angry. So every time there's a drop, you'll see the kind of comments in the, uh, like as a, as a signaling, you know, you see the kind of comments that are there in the, on the post and have like most people are unhappy because most people can't cop at retail. Oh, yeah. I but the very, fact that, but the very fact that there are so many sneaker resale spots, I think it saves you the trouble of having to go through that pressure of having to cop and you're able to, you know, negotiate a good price, you know, build up a relationship. So it's another way of building a relationship with a community and forming your own community. Build a relationship. That's what I personally keep coming back to because this whole aspect of community is really important to us at Capsule. So this happens a lot with the watch community, you know, so... It comes to a lot of luxury watches. If you know the dealer well, if you have an equation with your watch dealer, he'll he'll be able to get you that watch. Otherwise, you're just not going to get it. So I, yeah. I totally agree that whole maintaining your relationship can actually really come into play. And speaking of you know scarcity and hype and stuff around sneakers, I think one thing I've seen very recently, or which is the current phenomena, is the Moon Swatch, the Omega and Swatch collab, and that's such a crazy example where. Again, it is not about price because it's a two hundred dollar uh, swatch, two hundred or three hundred, whatever. It, it's a very affordable swatch very affordable, Omega yes. collab, and man, there are just lines all over. It's just sold out everywhere in the world where they've released it. Uh, there have been people in the lines who've been twelve years old, who've been sixty years old, people who are buying it of their pocket money, people who already have watches worth millions and they also want it. And to me, again, this is the part of the community where it's not about the money. It is not about how expensive or how many diamonds or whatever it has. But 
if you get it, you get it. And and someone will look at that watch and just say, ah, that's a watch, big deal. I prefer a Daniel Wellington, and I hope that's not the case. But if you recognize that watch, you will be in awe of it, and you'll actually go ask that person, hey, can I have a look at it? Yeah, I mean, it's all that um, signaling, right? Like these are products that sort of signal to people, members of your tribe, members of your community, that you're one of them. Or, you know, yeah. we all sort of have similar interests, uh, whether it is comic collect, comic book collectors, collectibles collectors, like, you know, uh, figurines. There are people who collect Star Wars, Star Wars collectibles. It's it's pretty much all that, right? And today, everybody wants to be connected, uh, you know, and in real life, not just digitally. And, you know, being able to find someone from your tribe without having to go through that whole intro, it's just so much easier, isn't it? Oh, so yeah, it's, it's that flex. And, yeah. yeah. So, Bhavicha, you mentioned the term dead stop. You mentioned the term cop, hype. So I think there are a lot of these terminologies in the space that a lot of people may not be aware of. So I want to understand some of these, your must-know streetwear sort of uh, terms, jargons. And we'll come back to that after these short messages. And welcome back to Anish Thing. I've got Bhavisha with me and we're going to get a little lowdown on sneaker, rather streetwear terms and some jargons. So yeah, cop, dead stock, just tell me the must-knows. So cop, usually in the whole sneaker world, means to buy. Sneakers or streetwear means to buy. So if you cop something at retail, it means you bought it, you were able to buy it at retail pricing. Uh, dead stock, uh, as I've mentioned earlier, it it me- literally means you've You've copped a sneaker and uh, which has not been used before. So dead stock means not used, not even used even once. Like your foot has not gone into it. That's essentially dead stock. If you're in the sneaker reselling business and you've copped at retail, sometimes you may put your uh, purchase on ice, which literally means that you put it in your vault and you don't wear it immediately. You wear it, you undead stock it later. You, you know, either if you're want if you want to want you're waiting for the value to go up, or if you personally if you want to wear it and you're not a reseller and you want to wear it, you're wear, wearing it at a special occasion. I think if I'm not mistaken, at the last uh, presidential swearing in, the vice president's family member wore Air Jordan Dior's to the presidential okay. swearing in, right? For me, that was like if you can wear Jordans to a presidential swearing in, that is it, right? It's become mean it's become so mainstream, it's not going back. Now, if I'm not mistaken, he actually undiest the pair, which means undead stocked the pair for that special occasion. His pair of Dior Jordans. So undead also, the story goes. Is, so I, I, so when I've, you wear it. So I've copped a pair of sneakers at retail, and now I decide that on that special occasion, I shall wear these. Yeah, as in undead stocking means you wear the shoes, and it doesn't yeah. only mean you've copped it at retail. You can buy it at resale as well. So. Essentially, I like, for instance, I copped a pair of ambush dunk highs at resale. I kept them on ice for many months and I only un- undead stocked them. I undiest them for a special occasion, which was an event at our store. Man, that, that sounds like a whole ritual. <laughs> fits. It- when it comes to streetwear, fits is your entire look, entire what you're wearing from top to bottom. You know, a lot of people dress from the bottom up. A lot of people match their sneakers to go with their fits. And your fits have to be fire. Fire fits is like a really well put together outfit. Fire fits. Fire fits. Fire that fits. makes people go, whoa. Okay. 
Interesting. So let's take a step back. Can you take me through the landscape of streetwear of perhaps the last couple of decades? Like what's the origin of streetwear? Like you said, it's a lot of, you know, culture driven stuff. So if you can just understand how this industry has evolved and how the brands have evolved and, you know, just going from a complete spectrum, right from a Stussy to a Gucci, just to understand this whole spectrum. So streetwear has been around for anywhere between 20 to 40 years. Like uh, one of uh, the earliest uh, proponents of streetwear, one of the earliest streetwear brands is Thrasher, which is out and out a skate skatewear brand that just, I think, last year celebrated its 40th year. And I know that because we actually had a 40-year special anniversary pack. So when skateboarding was big, this was one of the brands that came out. as a, So Thrasher is actually a skate magazine. Okay. That spoke to people all over the world, right? Co- covering the best, like it was a magazine for skateboarders and essentially went into merch. So even right now, the most popular, like it's been 40 years, the most popular t-shirts are the logo tees and they play around literally with the logo tees. I mean, to me, that is phenomenal staying power of a brand. Like literally your merch primarily is is a logo, which you then collaborate with. So for instance, they collaborated with a skate crew from London called Atl- the Atlantic Drift Crew. And for some reason, the logo is kind of like a jellyfish that gets integrated into the logo. Has phenomenal staying power. I think it's, it's. I think what Thrasher has done is phenomenal. They now have a more fashion-forward line, which is the Thrasher Japan line. Okay. Stussy came around the same time. Around that time, you also had uh, brands like Karl Kanai, which were big with hip hop. Tupac was normally was often seen. In fact, shot a lot for Karl Kanai. Uh, it had. A lot of these brands have had their ebbs and flows, Fat Farm. So these are the, some of the earlier brands in streetwear. 20 years ago, uh, brands like The Hundreds came up. The Hundreds is commonly considered one of the oldest brands as well because streetwear overall is a pretty new industry in that sense. It's been on the fringes. It's only now become mainstream in the last decade when Tyler, the creator, wore a supreme hat to the Grammys, you know, and... The very fact that a lot of people who came from the whole streetwear verse are now in positions of leadership at various luxury houses. The watershed moment was when the Kim Jones-led Louis Vuitton did a collaboration with Supreme in, I think, 2017. Since then, you know, Supreme got acquired by the Carlyle Group of like 50% of it with a valuation of $1 billion. The VF Corp then, then acquired, in a couple of years, acquired Supreme from the Carlyle Group at a $2 billion valuation. You know, and that's it. Like it's become super like in everyone's uh, minds now, streetwear and sneakers. Yeah. So you have the hundreds and then you have brands like Chinatown Market literally come up in the last seven, eight years. Pleasures, you know, five years old. Pleasures as a brand is very music inspired. Chinatown Market, which has now rebranded itself to market. Fun graphics. Very, they started off, the founder uh, is very basketball oriented. So, you know, you see those, attributes in the brand itself. They have by far the largest collection of collectible basketballs. So everything from a yellow smiley basketball to a, a Grateful Dead basketball, you know. That was is really, really nice. I, I would yeah. suggest everyone to go to capsule.co.in. What's the website? Shopcapsule.com. C-A-P-S-U-L. Shopcapsule.com. I completely got the address from and earlier, simple. But, but please go to Capsule and just look at the basketball collections. The Grateful Dead one is really, really cool. Uh, there's a lot of detailing on the basketball. It's yeah. quite fun. Hands down, one of the best crafted basketballs purely as a collectible. Like the others, I would even say that you can play with. But with this one, there's like embossed roses and stuff on it. It's it's one for the collectors. So 
this is essentially the landscape of uh, international brands and there's new brands coming out all the time. Uh, we recently launched uh, uh, an Australian streetwear brand called Jungle Jungles. Very interesting because their entire brand is 70s counterculture brought to the 2020s. And each piece, even though it's brand new, has been crafted with uh, GOTS certified cotton, but to look like a vintage gem that you've managed to find after years of thrifting. Okay. You know, so interesting. it comes back to that whole thing about like a point of view, authenticity, differentiation. Even in India, you know, uh, over the past, at least in the two pandemic years, we've, I think there've been like over a hundred brands, streetwear brands, quote unquote, that have, that have launched. There's no gray area. I remember that. I have some mm-hmm. stuff of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Any other brands? Almost Gods, Biscuit, oh, yeah. Jaywalking. Um, there's so many. There's Polite Society, Moral Science. They have such interesting names as well, right? And each of them has such unique points of view and the kind of products they're doing. Very interesting. So this is the landscape of streetwear. And once you get into it, it's like going down a rabbit hole, a very, very enjoyable rat- rabbit hole, I might add. You know, once you go there, you probably won't go back to fast fashion because you today people want to represent you know homegrown brands which is why people really have a lot of support even for a a, a brand like capsule because we are india's first multi-brand streetwear platform right and uh, we have this uh, this pride in things coming out of india so we've seen so much support by that you know because of the fact that we're an indian platform similarly homegrown brands you know you have celebrities to influencers everyone you know, uh, participating in this movement of supporting homegrown brands. And it's super Absolutely. exciting for us to see, you know, where this is going to go. Very exciting time for fashion in general in India. And in this whole scenario, where do the bigger luxury brands fit in your Gucci's, your LV's? Because they seem to be working a lot with sneakers as well. Yeah, well, that's a fantastic question. I kind of like touched on that, right? With Kim Jones, especially and uh, Louis Vuitton. Since then, he's gone on to head uh, Dior. Um the last decade saw luxury and streetwear becoming bedmates. You saw a lot of streetwear influencing luxury. So you had luxury brands, everybody doing tracksuits, doing t-shirts, oversized t-shirts, sneakers. Not usually the first kind of brands you think of when you think of sneakers, right? But these became super coveted. This decade, I'm, I'm expecting to see a lot more reverse influence. So okay. the whole whole sort of, Collision between streetwear and luxury has already happened. Streetwear influenced luxury last last decade. This decade, we're going to we can expect to see luxury influencing streetwear with a lot more tailored silhouettes. You know, brands like a Cold Wall. Even if you look at all the brands, even a brand like Pleasure, so much more cut and sew. Cut and sew is more elevated, tailored stuff. So overall, what needs to be understood that is that streetwear is fashion. Streetwear is not a blip on the radar. Streetwear is not a not a fad. Streetwear is fashion today. Why did these luxury brands get into streetwear? There was actually a report published by Bain a couple of years ago which said that by 2024-2025, I think, 60% of the world's luxury shopping is going to be undertaken by under 40-year-olds. Now, if that's going, that's where the market is headed. As a brand, one must be able to cater to them. And yeah, then and you had and then you had people like Kim Jones, who I don't know if I mentioned this before, but you know, he started his career working for a UK based distributor that actually brought the the most one of the most uh, earliest uh, streetwear brands to see into the UK market. Virgil Abloh, Kanye West, you know, the whole Kanye West 
um, family that has sort of given birth to so many stalwarts in the streetwear space, right? Virgil Abloh, rest, may he rest in peace. Of course. Um, Heron Preston, Jay Lorenzo of Fear of God. So you have these guys in these amazing positions and they have cult status. These fashion designers are the new celebrities. And they, a lot of them, Demna Gwasalia of Balenciaga, these are leading, these are people who are leading these very, very influential and, you know, fashion houses that, that bring to market so many products that people want to emulate. So that whole marriage of streetwear and luxury is complete. There are, to summarize, all these people whose come up has been from street culture are in those positions and which is why I strongly believe that streetwear is here to stay. And this whole interesting osmosis is what we will see. We've spoken about a lot of brands. Can you give me like a list of perhaps five or ten must-know brands for someone who's new into the space? Uh, in streetwear? Yeah. The hundreds. Anybody, uh, and I'm assuming you have a very interesting, diverse audience, Anish. Uh, so NFTs are the flavor of the season. If yeah. anybody's into NFTs and the metaverse, uh, the hundreds is a is a brand one must know about. They have been, they were leaders in the streetwear space. They're right now leaders in the whole NFT space with their Adam Bomb Squad. Very cerebral brand, cerebral brand. Uh, Pleasures, another very interesting brand because they are built literally off the backs of collaborations. Like a lot of every Pleasures drop has graphics from collaborations with graphic artists across the world. Chinatown Market, which has been rebranded as Market, really fun graphics. Like a Chinatown Market T-shirt or a Market T-shirt bring a smile to your face. You know, so that's these such a nice way. Three, that's such a nice way to put it, right? It'll bring a smile to your face. Yeah, uh, and one brand, the fourth brand, and it, these are known not in any particular order, right? Uh, yeah. All the brands have a distinctive flavor, so it depends on what you feel like when you wake up on any day. Uh, the fourth, the fourth brand I'm going to mention is I, I think one of your favorites, Anish Kahat WIP. Oh yeah, I'm wearing that right now. Oh, is it a hundred yeah. year old, hundred plus year old brand which started off as a workwear brand since then has a WIP edition which is more fashion forward, very culture first brand. Just that Carhartt logo in itself is such a massive cultural flex. So even if the basic investment wants to be in that one product that you know is a signaling, go for a Carhartt plain logo pocket tee. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that, and the WIP also is really really nice. But yeah, just it's a yeah. it's a construction wear company worth yeah. billions of dollars now for their clothes. <laughs> and the fifth one I would say, since we're talking about streetwear and sneakers, is Staple. One of the earliest, uh, considered one of the earliest sneaker riots that happened back in two thousand five was for a pair of uh, City Dunks, which was a wait, Staple. Wait, wait. Did you just say sneaker riots? Sneaker riots. I did. What is a sneaker riot? So back in 2005, Staple, which is a New York-based uh, streetwear brand, did a City Dunk, which is a collaboration with Nike. And of course, limited supply, massive demand. There were massive, there were lines outside the store. It literally led to a sneaker riot. People who managed to cop the sneaker had to be escorted by the cops from the back door. Wow. It was shut okay. down, things like that. I was personally at the ComplexCon in 2018 in LA. ComplexCon is this big music meets streetwear meets fashion meets sneaker festival that happens every year in California, in LA. There is a streetwear brand called Diamond, Diamond Supply Company. It's a skate luxury brand. They were very famous for this Tiffany Dunk that they did, Nike collab. Yeah. They were releasing a canary dunk, a yellow colored dunk. And there was so much demand for it. And there was so much of a crowd. People expected rides, they canceled the drop, you know. So yes, yeah. sneaker rides is a thing. 
I've I've heard crazy stories. Well, right now I'm seeing crazy videos again. Going back to the Moon's Watch, the videos that are coming <laughs> out at every store, it's it's just massive. Yeah, I guess similar lines. I mean, I'm sure Anish, every your listener as well, they've probably heard firsthand stories about what kind of uh, chaos goes into sneaker drops here in India. If not experienced directly, they probably know someone who knows someone who's heard of it or been there themselves. So I've done this a few times, going a little off topic, but I've done this twice now in Bombay where I've sent a Dunzo to Superkicks. So if the store opens at nine, there's a Dunzo at seven. And I just got my shoe on. I caught my shoe on both the occasions. That's brilliant. You're, the Dunzo guy waits two hours? Yeah, it's fine. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I shouldn't talk about the secret. <laughs> sneaker uh, hacks. Sneaker hacks. Coming to sneaker hacks, what would be your top three picks for someone to definitely have in their collection? Top three sneakers. So I'll split this into two categories. Starter pack. And for people who already have a collection, I can share my grails. Starter pack for me would be an all-white, triple white Air Force One. It's such a beautiful classic shoe and a fresh white shoe elevates any wardrobe. That I agree. Uh, a Vans old school. You know, that that shoe has has a lot of, you know, culture, culture it's such a cultural powerhouse. And my third will be a Puma suede. The Puma suede celebrated 50 years, I think about four or five years ago. And it's such an iconic shoe in the whole graffiti hip hop space. There was a docu- there was a movie show out on Netflix a few years ago, which talks about Grandmaster Flash and all of that. And the the role that the Puma suede, the, not just any Puma suede, the red Puma suede played in you know this entire cultural revolution. So for me, it would be these three. What are yours, Anish? Uh, for me, it's definitely the Air Jordan 1 High. Uh, I, I personally, for me, Air Jordans is my preferred silhouette. So I have a lot of those. The Adidas Stan Smiths, again, if you get a white, all white pair, it's just classic. You can literally wear it with anything. You can wear it with a blazer. You can wear it with shorts, whatever. And I think from- What about blazer comfort, and shorts? Blazer the classic and shorts, LeBron the blazer, James yeah. look. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think I can pull that off. But uh, the third for me, which I think is a is a very acceptable sneaker for a lot of people, and it also brings in a really good comfort angle, it would be a MX, Nike MX. Good ones. So, All yeah. great. All great. So for me, these three are pretty like, I find a lot of people find a little bit of hesitation towards Jordans who are like, they're worried that how will it look or whatever. But the other two are very easy to wear sneakers and they're just classics and they'll always be classics. Yeah. Yeah. You can never go wrong. My grails would be a Stussy Cherry Dunk, any Saleh Bamburi New Balance. And uh, yeah, I think these would be my two grails and maybe, yeah, these two. For now. I think I think I'm still Do figuring have... out what my grades would be. Yeah. I, I think I'm 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 still learning and still figuring out what that would be. Also tell me while a lot of these things look good together, tell me some sneaker faux pas. Some things that are just frowned upon. Well, not just sneaker faux pas. So personally, my whole sense is, you know, you do you. You wanna do any like you wanna whatever you wanna do, it's all okay. It's a point of view if you're confident to carry it off and you don't give a uh, you don't you don't care about what anybody's going to say. You do you, you know. You have one has to be true to themselves. Having said that, commonly heard a common fopa spoken about by a lot of people is not to mix sneaker brand logos, which means that if you're wearing Nike shoes, don't wear RD track pants or Puma tracks or Puma socks. 
even right down to even if you're not wearing apparel with any of the sneaker brands but if you're wearing like one sneaker brand footwear don't mix another don't mix it with another brand's socks this is what is commonly understood my personal opinion is you do you whatever works whatever you want to do you do you personally i would not mix it this is only true for sneaker brands you can by all means go ahead and wear like a pleasure stop or a carhart top and you know any sneaker brand footwear because anyway these brands are collaborating so that would be one commonly heard of but um, yeah i think for me one thing that really is a faux pas kind of pisses me off sometimes the number of people in a gym working out in yeezys which is just bizarre Hey, a lot of people say it's a really comfortable shoe to work out in. Not for weight training. It's a cushion shoe. And uh, I think I can say this. I, at the Soho gym, I see so many people working, doing heavy weights in a, in a Yeezy. That's just, to me, that's a faux pas. And Are you a Metcon at the gym sh- uh, shoe kind of person? I'm a Metcon person. I just customized bread colorway for my Metcon nice. 7. Yeah. Nice, nice. My trainer is a big Metcon fan. I think he's got like a whole collection of just Metcons. So Metcon is is the Nike Metcon. It's a shoe made for for weights and for crossfits. And the one that I've got is the Metcon 7, which is supposed to be stiffer and suitable for weightlifting. Before we end things, Bhavishar, tell me one niche thing you're into apart from sneakers and streetwear. Well, it's part of the same universe. I love collectibles, bear bricks. I've been collecting bear bricks. So just a side note about what bear bricks are. Bear bricks is a new age luxury designer collectible. It is a vinyl quote unquote toy. It's it's been manufactured by this brand called Medicom Toys, which which is a Japanese brand for the past 25 years. But what is beautiful about the bear brick, it it looks like a bear and it it was created as a product to pay homage to Teddy Bear. And it's literally become a canvas for artist collaborations. So they regularly release different bear bricks. Each bear brick is either a collaboration with an artist, with a movie, with a sports team, with a sports star, with just pop culture references. It comes in three sizes. You have a 1,000%, you have a 400%, and you have a 100%. 100% is about that, that big. What is the 100% size though? So the 100% is about 7 centimeters. Okay. The 400% is about 28 centimeters. And the 1000% is about 70 centimeters. And you asked me a question earlier on what the hook into sneakers was. I'll also now share a similar, That's I'd like to share that a hook to get into collectibles is sneakers. You know, because sneakers essentially are a canvas to tell these beautiful stories. And it's all about collaborations, right? That's essentially what the bear brick is. So what we are seeing is increasingly a lot of sneaker collectors. And, you know, they have these fancy sneaker closets and sneaker racks. So they like to elevate that entire visual of sneaker uh, display with these kind of bare brick collectibles. I saw three of these kind of stores in Singapore a couple of weeks back, including one at uh, Changi, which is Mm. uh, mad. And and I think they had the BAPE uh, BAPE Mm -hmm. collapse in the the 100% size. Yeah, super yeah. interesting. My my Check. most coveted item, hands down so far in my journey of streetwear sneakers collectibles is this 400% bear brick of Futura collaboration. Futura is one of the most prolific graffiti, right, graffiti artists in the world. 
he's possibly about 65 7 about 65 68 years old and he he's one of the earliest proponents of of graffiti from new york he's commonly credited with being the first person to tag an entire subway car so that's wow. the legend that is futura i have a futura 400 plus 100% bare brick not just that futura himself has signed it and drawn on it and on oh, the wow. box is set windia so that's like i think my most prized possession so how, how much does something like this cost it's priceless come on still give, give, I, give, give me some it's priceless figure. it's priceless it's amazing. been signed by futura so it's priceless that is amazing super bhavesh thank you so much for being on the niche thing can you let me know your instagram handles for you and for capsule so my handle is bhavesha p h a v i s h a d and the capsule instagram handle is capsule underscore c a p s u l single underscore where recognizable by our uh, display pic which is curve for capsule curve for culture super thank you so much thank you for having me anish what a brilliant start to the morning and the day thank you so much for listening to this episode of anish thing if you like this we have many such episodes in different subcultures this is on the ivm podcast network and we are available on all major podcast platforms if you like this episode do write to me on social media my handle is anish b on twitter and instagram tune in the next tuesday for yet another fun episode of anish thing on the ivm podcast app and all major podcast platforms